Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRoser, my amazing co-host, Cross, and Silence. Mariah is next door right now trying to rescue a cat. <laughs> I can't find the cat again. So, <laughs> I'm sure she will join us shortly for... I have no idea where they've checked, <laughs> but um our sweet neighbor cynthia just got a new cat and the cat is mia and they are trying to find the kitty cat so i'm sure she'll join us soon but apparently there is a cat emergency right and the cat will hopefully join us soon well no 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 the cat the cat can stay at her apartment we have a dog (laughs) that wouldn't go well but uh today we have a very exciting episode um and, and when i was writing it out i was like this does not sound exciting but actually, <laughs> it's pretty exciting, talking all about keeping the gospel pure. So, yeah, so that's kind of cool, right? I don't know. It didn't sound very cool when I wrote it out, so we'll see how it goes. But um, definitely something that Paul was thinking about. And after having read it and studied up on it, I really feel like it's something we should be thinking about, too. So we're going to chit-chat about it. But for right now, let's cut to some commercial break, and we'll see you afterwards. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. That's right. The Jokers and Jesters Comedy Tour is back on the road. We are currently promoting our second Amazon Prime special, Jokers and Jesters, the next special. We will be touring small towns across this great country of ours. So for our tour date, follow us on Facebook at Jokers and Jester Comedy Tour or at our website, jokersandjester.com. It's a great night of music, laughter, and magic. Don't miss us as we come to a small town near you. (laughs) 
Food waste is one of the most easily solvable problems, literally the low-hanging fruit of environmentalism. Pardon the pun, it's my job. About 20% of all produce never makes it off the farm. It's because they just look a little funny, a little weird, but when you cut into it, it's perfectly good food. It's just a total shame. It's totally good stuff. We buy ugly produce directly from farms that often would go to waste because supermarkets won't buy it because of how it looks, and we deliver it to people's doors. This isn't that ugly at all. Like, that's the most common first box, like, complaint we get. We change that. We educate people. We show them how amazing these fruits and vegetables are. To have food delivered to your house. Box of produce every week. And it's more affordable. At a very reasonable price. Cheaper than the grocery store. I spend a lot less time in grocery stores. It's an adventure every time that you open your box. High quality produce. There's nothing wrong with the produce. And they taste exactly the same. It's not better. Save those fruits and vegetables that get wasted every year. And it's delivered to your door, like, but what, why wouldn't you do? Why wouldn't you do? Please go to our website, freedomizerradio.live, and sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Use our promo code and get money off your first order. Go ahead and get some organic and all-natural meats, dairy, snacks, breads, and non-GMO produce. All right, guys. Well, here we are. We're back again. We're still short of Mariah. Yay. And she's probably still short of Kat. Anyway, so... <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We are going to talk about Romans. Guys, guys, listen. We have been Roman through Romans. Like, like, okay, let's be real. We were not intending to complete Romans quickly. That was never on the radar. So, you know in swimming pools when you try to walk, but, like, the pool slows you down? Sure. That's what we were doing. Right, 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 right. We were going to, like, actually walk. Long haul. Catch everything we can out of Romans. And to be honest, there were a couple of topics that I was, I, I was, I was like, yeah, I don't feel like the Lord's pulling me to, to teach on this particular, you know. Um, but I'm really, I, I'm, I'm not 100% certain. We might have two more weeks after today, but we may only have one. I'm, I'm working on that last teaching now. And so I'll be able to let you know next week if that will be our last original episode on Romans. After that, the plan is that we're going to play Dynamic Word Bible Studies Greatest Hits, right? We're going to go through and we're going to re-air out of the the, popular episodes. Right, 49 or 48 broadcasts that we will have done, which is crazy. That's a crazy amount of broadcasts on one book. Um, We will re-air our favorite, our most popular, like, Maybe your favorite episode, my favorite, Mariah's favorite episode, and the episodes that got the most views, um, because this all goes to podcasts, and so we can see which episodes more people are listening to, mm-hmm. and so we're going to pull out our, our greatest hits and re-air those. I'm super excited about that, because we're going to take a little break over the holidays, November and December, okay? And then it we're going to come back between you and January. Right, right, because it doesn't make any sense to start a new book and then, like, you know, do an episode for two weeks and then take two weeks off and then, you know, do an episode for one week and then take one week off. Like, that just didn't make sense to me. 
So while we're on break, you guys are actually going to get Dynamic Word Bible Studies live every single week, even on those weeks that we normally wouldn't do it. Like, we'll have a Thanksgiving episode because why not, right? We'll have one the week of Christmas because why not? And then that first week of January, we're going to come back swinging. I'll have some time to prep, and we will be starting off in the Gospel of John. I'm so excited about um, so many things about this. First of all, I'm so excited to get an opportunity to hear from Jesus. I'm weirded out at how long it takes us to do books, and John is even longer. Than oh, John is going to be even longer. <laughs> so I'm going to guess at least two years from John, maybe longer. Um, that's totally fine. Um, you'll probably be a young man and very tired of me by the time that we get done with Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that we're going to hear that going on. Um, by the time that we get done with John. And then the plan is hopefully to get through X, maybe before you're done with college, who knows? So <laughs> so that's that's kind of the plan right now. Um, but we're really, really excited about that, and uh, we're excited to be finishing up this book. I think we've learned a lot, but I'm so excited to hear from Jesus uh, through the Gospel of John, and I'm really, really excited to be in a different um style of writing. There are different literary styles throughout the Bible. We've been in an epistle now for a year and a half, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it, but I'm super excited to hear historical narrative. That sounds like lots of fun, and to try my hand at at writing this study for uh, a biblical narrative, because that's a whole different thing. So, um, So we're excited about that. But for today, let's open up Romans chapter 16. We will be starting today in verse 17 and running through 20. And look, look, look at how little we have left right there. This is it, and we're going to go through here. Go through all the episodes? No, no. No, we're just going to here. (laughs) Why not? Because this is a whole different topic over here. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Can't just crack it all out? Uh, no, no, we're not going to crack it all out. We're going to we're going to do the topics as they appear because that's what we, we said we were going to do. So. Okay, so starting in verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such people do not do not serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So that is our selection today. Um, Super cool that we're going to be talking about it. Now, here's the thing, is, is that I think that we have a tendency, especially here in the United States, to think to ourselves, I go to church, and my, my job is to go and listen. Somebody probably smarter than me is going to teach, and I just write it in my little notebook, and I go on my happy, merry way and apply it, right? But that's really, really not, um, first of all, we take this for granted. Um, but this is very much not the situation that they were in in the early church. Now, some things to remember, okay? In the church in Rome, they now have this letter 
this epistle that has been sent out by Paul, but they don't actually have the written gospel yet. So they're still working with the Old Testament mm-hmm. and whatever testimony they had about Jesus. Um, but from Peter, well, Peter, I don't think was there yet. So there's some discrepancy in history. Some people think that Peter came and established the church in Rome. Other people believe that the church in Rome was already established when Peter got there because there were people who were in Jerusalem during the event who who were either from Rome or ended up in Rome, you know, because uh, everything happened over the weekend of Pentecost. So it would make sense um, that, you know, in Pentecost when, when um, Peter and all the disciples come out speaking in tongues, uh, the crowd is astonished. Why? Because they're speaking in all of their native languages, right? And so that means that there is a group of people in town for this festival, uh, and they're coming from all different um, parts of the, the Roman Empire. Uh, so, so it makes sense that, that there were probably some people present in Rome um, and that this church was probably already pre-established. But they may have been visited by by Peter at this time, um, or by any of the other disciples at this time. Um, but they, so they have the gospel, and they've been taught the gospel, but here Paul wants to talk about some false doctrine breaking into the church. And so um, it's really interesting, I think, that a lot of times we have a, we, we get this feeling like, things are so bad in the world and things are so treacherous in the world and it's never been this bad. It's been this bad for a long time. Um, This is just history repeating itself. And so let's find out what uh, Paul has to say. Um, We kind of take a lot for granted here in the United States being Christian. Um, Once we're saved, we kind of feel like we have this church family where we feel at home we're right with God and everything is good. But that's just not always true. And Paul is trying to tell um, this church in Rome and echoing through the millennia to now um, to tell us to watch out for false teachers. And those false teachers are not presenting themselves outside of the church as we would expect, or even in worldly culture, but from right inside the church itself. Uh, strangely enough, at this time, you have traveling preachers like, traveling evangelists, right? They're going from city to city, town to town. Um, and they are preaching the gospel. Um, but when Paul gets saved, Paul actually goes to the original disciples, um, you know, Peter and John and Matthew, and, and they all meet together and he goes, hey, this is what, this is the gospel I've been preaching. I need to make sure that this is the truth, that this is what was, you know, what, what went down. You know, and so they approve what Peter or what Paul is teaching. Um, but just like today, like there are people who teach false doctrine, and sometimes it's just accidental. They just don't know. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's nefarious. Um, and in their day and So in their day and age, they um, they still have people who are trying to preach for financial gain, uh, for gain and status, and they are doing all these things with the intention of being able to make themselves look better, 
um, trying to figure out, you know, how to get a following. Which is really not the goal. Right. I mean, like, so we have, and, and we have cult leaders, you know, nowadays, but we also have some things that happen within the church that we have to look out for. Um, so it's not all fun and games and hunky-dory. Um, and, of course, we want, it, we, we, we want to not look like we're having all these dissensions and factions, but we also don't want to accept false gospel into our midst. So that's kind of the balance there. Um, so um, a lot of times those, those kinds of sermons tickle our ears. They tell us something that we want to hear. And that something that we want to hear is not necessarily rooted in truth. That's problematic, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. So um, they can uh, provide us an extra sense of security. Um, They can make us feel like we're right or righteous when we're not. And um, by now we know not to add anything to the gospel, right? But But honestly, we're often tempted to teach or believe something outside of the pure gospel. Um, And that was the truth in Rome as well um, for various different reasons, okay? So what kind of false doctrine was the church in Rome dealing with? False preachers were adding works to the gospel by requiring new Gentile believers to be circumcised and also to follow certain aspects of Jewish law as a premise to salvation, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. (coughs) It's really, really important that we allow God to sanctify us through salvation. In other words, I get saved, okay? My price is paid. That work is finished and completed. But I'm still me, and I'm still kind of problematic, okay? (laughs) Like, I, I still have issues. And so from that point forward, my job is to submit to Jesus and submit to the Holy Spirit so that bit by bit, they can work a miracle in me and make me a better human being, make me more and more like Jesus, okay, that sanctification process. So if you sin and you're just like, oh, it's fine, Jesus is going to handle it, that's that's not it. No, no. I mean, Jesus is going to handle it, but the point is is that our, our our attitude is to be to repent from our sin, turn away from it, submit to Jesus, and allow him to work and move in our lives. Um, and so uh, we should expect to see a miraculous difference and a miraculous change in us, but it's not supposed to be a work of our flesh. Um, I think we were talking in church, um, I think it was in youth group, it was in youth group last week, and you were in a different group than I was, right? Um, but in our little group, we were talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? And one of the, Yes, yes. But in our little group, one of the things that we mentioned was that um, it's not um, the fruit of Felicia, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so... Oftentimes we look at, you know, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And we think to ourselves, I need to work on having um, more kindness in my life. So I, so I am going to go out and do more kind acts, right? But that would be the fruit of Felicia, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is a whole different thing because 
that's not me deciding I'm going to go out and do more kind things, submitting to God and, and saying, teach me to be more kind. Show me opportunities to be more kind and work through me so that I become more kind. All of the fruit of the Spirit is already available and living inside of you because the Holy Spirit in his fullness is living in you. It's just that we're not submitted to his will, we're submitted to ours. Okay? That's what makes it the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Felicia. I'm not willing it to happen, right? I'm just submitting to God. Okay? So in, in that sort of way, that's how that dynamic change happens. That's how, and that's actually why we call our Bible study dynamic word Bible studies, because the work and submission to the Holy Spirit produces this change in us that's not of our own will, but it's, it's of the will of God, the will of the Holy Spirit, okay? So um, long explanation there. But false preachers were adding works to the gospel. Um, they're requiring uh, the new believers to be circumcised and to follow aspects of Jewish law. And, um, and it sounds really good, especially to believers who were Jewish, who had grown up all their lives with these concepts of, you know, sacrifice and, um, and what it was supposed to look like to believe, right? It sounded really good to them, didn't it? So, so that was kind of the whole thing there. Now, let me be clear here. We live for Christ. Our, our lives will indeed start to look drastically different, and that's a good thing. Um, it's our work of submission to the Holy Spirit in our lives, but that is not what we were talking about here. Okay, so um, let's look at Deuteronomy 4.2 real quick. Um, and I want to show you... Um, that even in the Old Testament, um, they were they were wanting not to add anything. So this is really an interesting concept because in Deuteronomy 4:2, we all know uh, that there was this whole aspect of um, Jewish uh, of Jewish rabbis adding um, keys to the law, right? Okay, so they were adding specifics to the law. But look at what it says right here. You shall not add to the word that I commanded you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. So even back in the day, they were not supposed to be adding or subtracting to the to or from the law. Um, they did it, but that was never God's intention to make it difficult, to make it, you know, all these different hoops to jump through. So we certainly shouldn't be doing that now, right? Um, so let's take a look at what Jesus says from the cross in John 19.30. This is, um, of course, something that most people be familiar with. But what did he say there? When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Right. And I can never remember the Greek word for it. Tell us, tell us sorry. I don't remember the Greek word for it. Anyway. Maybe you can look it up at some point. You're, you're, you're a Greek master here. But um, so anyway, uh, yes, he says this, this word. It is say, you know, that it's mostly done as long as we finish a few religious ceremonies and follow some rules. He says it's finished. Um, and, and that word finished is, is um, kind of an accounting word, which means paid in full, like 
it was all the way done, folks. Like, not part of the way done, not like, what else do we need to do? It was all the way done. So God doesn't need our help to finish his job. Um, what does it say, Cross? I'm pretty sure you have this one memorized. Let's go for this one. What does it say in John 3.16? John 3.16? Yeah. <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave us his son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right, right, right. So it wasn't whoever believes in him and whoever <clears throat> gets circumcised and whoever does good works and whoever brings salvation to five other people. Um, and whoever goes on a mission trip, like, there's no and, right? It's believing his son because his son already did the work. Um, the work has already been completed, okay, and and we are the harvesters, right? Okay. So um, in 1 Corinthians one I've got this one already. So Actually, so I was looking more into the crucifixion story. Yeah. Um, and it said in Luke twenty three eleven that Herod was there, and he actually also mocked and beat Jesus. Oh, that's interesting. It says right here. And, you, um, and you're playing King Herod in an play. upcoming play, right? Yep. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed him and mocked him. Just came in an elegant robe, they sent him back, back to Pilate. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, so Herod was there, but he sent him back to Pilate. So then the question is, I don't think that Herod traveled back with Pilate, right? To Pilate, that would have been a long journey, right? Um, so he probably did not hop in in his carriage and, and go from the palace, but he was there, definitely, yeah. definitely mocking Jesus. Yes. So um, let's see what it says here in First Corinthians one eighteen. Uh, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. And power of God. So, so here's the question, though, is that what do we add to the power of God? Like nothing. Nothing. Like there's nothing we can add to the power of God. The power of God is complete. I mean, so faith isn't really a work, and so it's not something that we can add to it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, so um, but that's a good question. That's like a whole theological you know, rabbit hole. I almost said toilet bowl, but that's not it. Uh, no, that was, I meant rabbit hole. They kind of rhyme. Uh, they, they do, they do rhyme. That's probably why I was confused. That's like a whole theological rabbit hole, but faith is not a work, and therefore we don't actually add anything to God's power. God's power is complete in and of itself. He does not need our help. Like, that's the point. He does not need our help. So, he doesn't. So let's talk a little bit about the, the two extremes of what I see like two camps of false doctrine that I see in the church today that we have to kind of um, watch out for. Uh, so these days, our churches are not really any different. When we attend our churches, we must strive to be um, what Paul says, wise about what is good and innocent about what's evil. While we need to be submitted to godly authority within our churches, we can't just be lazy about our faith. We need to be wise about the gospel and what's good so that we can discern the pure gospel from a counterfeit. Now, I used to work in retail, okay, um, which is not a job I would recommend. <laughs> it's not fun. Okay. Yeah, in retail? Uh, no, no, he works in transportation, so that's, that's different. Retail oh. is like you work at a store, okay? Oh, yeah. And so one of the weird skills that you pick up in retail because you're – 
huh? Being rude to people? No, you have to be so nice to people. They're allowed to be rude to you, and you have to be absolutely so nice to them no matter what, and you're taught that the customer is always right. So you learn how to not lose your temper for Isn't sure. Yes. Very often they're wrong, and you still have to be like, yes, ma'am, of course, ma'am. I understand, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. You have to be, like, so, so nice. Um, hey, can I get these pancakes? Sure, ma'am. Um, no, but like I say, if something's wrong, you have to fix it for them no matter what. Like, you, you're, not, you're not allowed to, to make the company look bad. Um, but people can be a little crazy. So, no, one of the odd skills you pick up on in retail is how to tell a counterfeit bill because you do a lot of money handling. Okay. So you've seen me do this before, right? I've got mad skills where it comes to being able to tell if the bill is real, right? I'm just like, how do you? Well, okay. So here's the thing. This is exactly, I'm going to tell you how we learned how to do this because if you get handed a 50 or $100 bill, I don't think I ever got handed a $500 bill. Okay. But, um, what we actually did was we had um, studied what the original, like, real currency looks like, okay? I knew if you handed me a $100 bill, in fact, I remember, you know, um, how there's two different styles of bills, mm-hmm. and, and some of the bills have, like, the big portrait of the president, and then some of them have a small portrait of the president. So when I was younger and I first started working in retail, all of them looked like the small portraits of presidents. And then they started to phase in for the 20 and the 50 and the 100, um, the, the enlarged portrait version. So like the version we have now, I don't think you probably ever even see a $100 bill with a small Benjamin Franklin. You have? Yeah. Okay. So they started to phase in the ones with the large Benjamin Franklin when I was working retail. Okay. So so I had to relearn what the bill looks like because it didn't look the same. Um, And so I – You thought all the new ones were counterfeit. Right. I actually rejected bills before because it felt, okay, like I'm going through – I was handed three or $400 bills, and when I felt them, one of them didn't feel right. Okay, so the paper feels different on on actual currency. Okay, and um, and so we learn what the paper feels like on currency. We learn um, where the serial numbers are and how they should match. We learn where all the watermarks are. Did you know that in every hundred dollar bill, there's a plastic strip? I did. And in the, I think I showed you this one time, right? And what does it say on the plastic strip? Um, hundred. Uh, $100, $100 over and over oh, and yeah. over again. And it's just you, like diagonal Right, and you can't see it unless you know it's there, right? There's a watermark. Did you know there's a watermark on the front and the back of the bill? So um, I, I would say this. I know really, really well what a $100 bill looks like, right? So if you pass me a $100 bill that's fake, what do you think is going to happen? Bingo. I mean, I'm going I'm to figure it out real quick, right? I'm going to know you just handed me a fake $100 bill. I'm going to go all Sherlock Holmes just like, hmm. Well, and and not, always, not always is this person in front of you the counterfeiter. 
sometimes it wasn't picked up by somebody else. They were handed it as change or handed it at a bank or something like that, okay? But at the very end of the whole process, I take a bill, I see it, I hold it up to the light, I notice something's off, or I feel it and and the paper doesn't quite feel right. At the very end of the process, every cashier has a little black pen. Mm-hmm. And that little black pen, you mark, you, you actually can make a mark on the bill. You can write on the bill, okay? And if it, and it stays brown, then it's real. But if it's not genuine, it'll turn black because there is a chemical in the processing of the paper, that $100 bill, um, or any any currency really, okay, that they use that reacts with, the ink in that marker. And so that's like your final validation of whether or not this currency is real. Most of the time we didn't even have to test it because I could see it was real. I looked at it. I felt it. I looked at the watermarks. I saw the strips in there. I saw that this, um, the um, serial numbers matched on both sides, and I knew that this was a real bill. But if I ever had any concern, I could mark it and know for certain whether or not it was real. Um, and in some places, they require you to mark it either way because they want – because so not what would happen if it. someone did give you counterfeit money and you caught them? So, I mean, it depends. Like, if they gave me $400 bills and one of them was counterfeit, I'm going to assume that you're not trying to, you know, be a thief and that you probably picked up that bill from somewhere else and you just didn't know. So I'm going to say, this is not a real $100 bill. I'm so sorry, do you have another $100 bill? And they'll usually exchange it out. Um, if I receive a wad of not real $100 bills, I'm calling security, and I'm going to get you kicked out because you're, you're a thief. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, so anyway, here's the whole point of that story. Long story, but there's a point to it, okay? And the point to the story is this. I could tell a counterfeit not because I knew all the different ways you could counterfeit a bill. It wasn't because I, I knew, well, you could print it on this printer and that, the ink would smell this way. Or, um, you know, I didn't know all the different ways you could counterfeit it. I knew the counterfeit because I was so familiar with the real thing. Mm-hmm. I knew the real thing like in my sleep, like the back of my hand. And so if you handed me anything other than the real thing, it just looked off. It felt off. might take me a minute to figure out what was wrong. But I knew there was something wrong because I was so familiar with the, with the real thing. And in the same sort of way, we're supposed to be living as Christians so familiar with the gospel that it's not that it's going to take us years and decades to, to understand apologetics to notice when there's a false doctrine. You should, and, like, so totally give that example in youth group tonight. Oh, you think so? <laughs> We're talking about a different topic tonight. No. It's a long chapter. We'll talk. Okay, so anyway, you should just be so familiar with the real thing. You don't have to learn everything that there is to know about different um, church ideologies that contain false doctrines or um, different preachers who talk, who teach things that are off. Like, you don't have to know everything, every counterfeit that there is, and there will always be a new one. 
what you need to be is so familiar with the gospel that when someone says something that's off, even if it's just a little bit, you can go, wait a minute, that's, that's not quite right. This is what the word says. Do you know what I'm saying? And ultimately, just like we had that little black pen that you could put on any $100 bill to find out for sure, for sure, if it was real or fake, okay, ultimately, the word itself is that litmus test. It is that test that finally says, yes, this is false doctrine or no, it's true, okay? If you can't find it in the Bible, can't find it anyway. it's not true. Okay, if you can't find it in the Bible, it's not true. Or if you find something else in the Bible that augments this teaching that has been intentionally left out, and that's a thing too, mm-hmm. okay, um, then then you can say, yeah, this is not the complete picture of the gospel. This is not the full gospel. Um, it, it's not a clear message. So you have to know your words. Now, um, we're talking a lot because we don't have a second session, but I'm going to actually cut to commercial break real quick, Um, and then we'll come back and finish the teaching. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Cross says it's okay, so it has to be okay with you guys, too. Okay? (laughs) All right. Outvoted. (laughs) Outvoted. He's got the most pull. Okay, we'll be back. Food waste is one of the most easily solvable problems, literally the low-hanging fruit of environmentalism. Pardon the pun, it's my job. About 20% of all produce never makes it off the farm. It's because they just look a little funny, a little weird, but when you cut into it, it's perfectly good food. It's just a total shame. It's totally good stuff. We buy ugly produce directly from farms that often would go to waste because supermarkets won't buy it because of how it looks, and we deliver it to people's doors. This isn't that ugly at all. Like, that's the most common first box, like, complaint we get. We change that. We educate people. We show them how amazing these fruits and vegetables are. Have food delivered to your house. Box of produce every week. And it's more affordable. At a very reasonable price. Cheaper than the grocery store. I spend a lot less time in grocery stores. It's an adventure every time that you open your box. High quality produce. There's nothing wrong with the produce. And they taste exactly the same. It's not better. Save those fruits and vegetables that get wasted every year. And it's delivered to your door, like, but what you, why wouldn't you do? Why wouldn't you do? Please go to our website, freedomizerradio.live, and sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Use our promo code and get money off your first order. Go ahead and get some organic and all-natural meats, dairy, snacks, breads, and non-GMO produce. We all know that times are tough, and things are really expensive right now, so why not save a little bit of your wallet, as well as the landfill. Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal, or overstocked, or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. 
Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount. Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Vagal Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Wow. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Study. Um we're going to keep going in our teaching today. I did, I'm going to be honest, I didn't like pare down the teaching or cut it short today because I was like, I knew we didn't have anything in the second half hour. I was like, okay, well, if we go a little long, it's just fine. Uh, so we'll talk about it. So let's talk now. Um, we were talking about being able to tell the counterfeit, the counterfeit gospel from the real gospel. And the key is what? Um, okay. Really? Really, it's to know our gospel inside and out intimately so that when the counterfeit comes up, we can just tell, right? Okay. But, um, I was say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't. <laughs> Next time you should. So, um, I personally find that the most common false doctrines tend to fall in one of two categories, okay? The first one is that people tend to try to add something to the gospel. Okay, they try to um, make it have uh, more more uh, features than it does. The true gospel is so simple and straightforward that it can actually be a little uncomfortable for us. We still want to find ways to participate in our own justification rather than just humbling ourselves before God. There, okay. Like the root of this is pride, guys, is that we feel like we have to find some additional way to participate in our salvation. Um, but if we could have done it on our own anyway, like there was no need for Jesus Christ. So this is absolutely a corruption of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like we need to know we're helpless and that it's a gift. Um, and so um, rather than wanting to humble ourselves before God, we want to add tasks, legalism, and works. And that can be very attractive to us who feel like somehow we need to have some skin in the game. We need to um, have some way that we've contributed so we can feel good about ourselves, right? Okay? Like, and, and you can totally understand why people would feel this way. It's sin, but, like, I get it, right? Um, that way it can make us feel like a better Christian, Um, when in reality what we really need to do is just die to our own pride, submit directly to the Holy Spirit. The problem is that this doctrine looks godly on the outside, and so it often sneaks into the lives of good church-going families. (coughs) Pardon me. This kind of false gospel can be in our church. 
our friends can be adhering to it, you know. And it can be pretty hard to pick up on because oftentimes it makes them look like a better Christian, even though it's a false doctrine, okay. Um, An example that comes to mind um, for me that has been, like, up in the news recently um, is Bill Gothard's IBLP. Um, That is a uh, parachurch ministry. If you hear any weird noises outside, Congo is trying to knock on the door. He is. He's like, hello, I'm here. Um, It's a parachurch ministry that uh, required all sorts of of things of the people who followed it in order to be a better Christian um, and to have a successful life. Um, And some of the things that it required, for example, um, that were really, really problematic were um, different works to be able to um, say that you're pure before God. Um, just very extreme teaching instead of teaching the heart of the gospel in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, kind of led a bunch of people astray. Uh, one of the things that I think I actually just saw on the Internet, got into a good Internet argument with somebody because this is the way I am sometimes, right, um, about something that was put up by the Institute of Biblical Living Principles, whatever the IBLP actually stands for. Um, and that is still floats around a lot of times, and people will say it's biblical, is um, they have this diagram of the umbrella of authority. I don't know if you've ever even seen that before, but it has a picture of several different umbrellas stacked one on top of another. And the top one is God, and then the next one is husband, and the next one is wife, and the next one is children. Um, While there's structural hierarchy within our families, it's really important for everyone to know that I'm, I'm, I'm a wife, okay, so I'm under, you know, the leadership of my husband, but I still have to answer directly to God. <laughs> I am under God's authority directly. I'm not under God's authority through my husband in the same way that we're not under anyone else's authority like the Pope. Like, that's literally what Protestant churches believe that's different from Catholic churches is that um, the only mediator necessary was Jesus. And so we deal with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. Um, To leave that out denies my own accountability and um, makes my sanctification my husband's job and the kid's sanctification um, dad's job. Well, the only person who can really sanctify us is the Holy Spirit, right? Submission to the Holy Spirit. Again, this is the difference between, you know, the fruit of Felicia and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and we want to grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of Felicia. We're not trying to grow my own will to be stronger. We want to grow my will to be submitted to God. Um, you know, like we were supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> so that's one of the big ones that is um, prevalent today. But also, name it and claim it gospel. Um, are you familiar with what that is? Name it and claim it gospel. Yeah, these are people who are like, yeah, if you if you um, say before the Lord that that you're praying for a new house and and you believe it, that it's going to come to fruition. Um, you know, and and while the gospel wants us to prosper um, and wants us to have an abundant life, um, just just in the same way that. Um, 
the freedom that Christ promised was not a freedom from the oppression of the Roman Empire, but freedom from captivity to our own sin. Um, our abundant life, you know, while God provides for us, he does provide for us financially. Um, but I wouldn't say necessarily I live in Western abundance, okay? Um, I'm, I'm thankful to to live in America where even where, you're, you know, it, it doesn't matter where your financial status is, you're still doing better off than a lot of parts of the world, right? Um, but uh, so we're blessed in that way. But um, fi- financial provision is promise. Um but, uh, you know, but, but not necessarily just dripping in gold and diamonds and, and everything that you want, right? Um, we don't spoil our children, and God doesn't spoil his children either. You know, he gives us what we, what we need, you know, in the time that we need it. So those are two of the, the big ones where I see people adding things to the gospel, either adding works, okay? And I could name a plethora of other you know, I don't want to call out particular, you know, this, this, uh, you know, would, would think they're a, a denomination of, of Christianity, but I wouldn't necessarily consider them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to call out specific people groups like that. Um, but you'll see different doctrine like that. You have to do certain works in order to prove that you are a Christian. Um, that's not a thing. Um, while, while, uh, faith without works is dead, that those works come from the Holy Spirit, not from us. So that should be a warning to us that if the Holy Spirit's not working in our life, we need to look at our faith and improve it. Not, it's, it has nothing to do with proving it to somebody else. Um, the other extreme denies the power of the gospel and submission to the Holy Spirit to produce miraculous change in us. And um, the first thing that comes to mind here is, um, like, of course, you know, we, we go to a Pentecostal church. We believe in the, in the full gospel. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind here is denying that the Holy Spirit still has the power, ability, and will to work in the miraculous, in, in, in healings and in prophecies in these days. Um, he certainly does. Uh, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's in Hebrews, right? Okay, so he has this power. If he had it for Pentecost, he has it now. Um, and so if we're not displaying that power in our lives, it's not time to say, oh, this is no longer a part of the gospel. We take that out. That would be removing, right, which we were just warned in Deuteronomy not to do, right? Um, so so that's, that shouldn't be the response. The response should be, well, if so if I'm not seeing this in my life, where am I not aligned with the will of God? Where do I need to realign myself? And, and you know, maybe I'm not doing the things that God wants me to do at this time. Now, um, the Holy Spirit's going to work those things as he wills, right? So that doesn't mean I can just go and, and pray for somebody and touch them and they're going to be healed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, right, right, right. So that's, it's not a show, right? But um, the Holy Spirit is going to allow things when he wants to, and it's my job to be obedient to what he's calling me to. It's a whole different thing, right? Um, And so that's also to say that I can believe in Jesus and continue to live however I want to. This is is another false doctrine that's really prevalent today. People will say, I can believe in Jesus and just keep living whatever I want to do. 
Um, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it, right? Okay. Um, because that denies the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us into submission and to sanctify us and purify us. And so um, that would be denying the power of the gospel. Um, the gospel is meant to restore our relationship with God after the fall, including our dominion over the earth. But the whole point that the cross addresses is our, is our rebellion against God's sovereignty. So when we have this notion that we can call ourselves Christian but continue to run headlong into lifestyles, habits, and philosophies that don't align with God's will, this is really problematic. We are still in open rebellion against God. And so, like, the, the cross reconciles this difference to the person who's willing to come under Jesus' lordship as that side of the covenant. But if we're not actually willing to come under Jesus' lordship, we're still really in active rebellion. Remember, demons believe in Jesus too, but they don't submit to him, and that's the difference. There was actually a Bible story where there was a guy who had uh, demons inside of him, and um, before he just cast them out, he had like a full-on conversation with them. Uh, he said, uh, who are you? They said, uh, my, our name is Legion because there are many of us in this man. And um, they said, please don't kill us, son of God. Right. Just send us into that flock of pigs, and then they, the pigs ended up drowning, so I guess they're dead anyway. Right, right. Well, no, 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 no. The, the spirits were just released at that point. They have to find another host. Um, demons don't die like that. So anyway, so, ha-ha, yay. <laughs> yay. So, um, yeah, so here's the thing is that the demons didn't deny who Jesus was, and they didn't deny his authority. Um, and they still have to do what he says. They just are not submitted to his plan and his will. What does that mean for us? I don't know a single person who doesn't have to do what Jesus says. Oh God. I mean, right, right, right. Like you have to, you have to when he God's kind of when he com- when he commands you to do something. Right, right, right. That's, that's kind okay. of a um, story for another time. Right, but the but the whole point is that we're. You know, when it, when the Bible says that we must believe in Jesus, like, do we really believe Jesus is God if we don't treat him like he is? You know, like, like, what does the word believe mean? You know, and, and believe usually means that my actions are aligning with what I'm saying is true. Um, and if our actions aren't aligning with it, we don't really believe that. You know, um, we might say we do, but we don't. So um, this is, and by the way, this is not the same as backsliding. Like somebody who comes from a position where they had like a lifestyle of sin and they become a Christian and they forsake that lifestyle, but then at some point they trip up and they have this period of time where, you know, maybe they maybe they were an alcoholic before they came to Christ and then they suddenly are tripped up and caught up in alcoholism again for a, a period of time. And then God releases them from that. They didn't become unsaved at this point. They haven't departed from the full gospel. They just are sinful people, and, and we still sin sometimes, right? So um, let's read Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. See what that says. Uh, it says, God was in the last days. Just a little context. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, con- conceited, conceited, 
conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Okay, and so that kind of covers both sides of what we're talking about, okay? And I, I don't think that anybody would deny that we're in end times, right? Like, we're in the end days right yeah. now, okay? And so I think that it's interesting that they really cover both of those extremes that we're talking about. We're talking about the people who are, you know, who say that they believe in the gospel. It would be so cool to be just a part of the revelation. Wow, I so don't, but... <laughs> You might get your wish. Who knows? Like, it seems like it's coming. But, but yeah, so um, that seems to have covered both extremes there. The people who, um, you know, are adding things to the gospel, right, um, and then the people who are denying its power, um, those, those two camps. So why does this still happen if we're in God's church? Like, this is crazy, right? You expect church to be the safe place. And both of those extreme things that we're talking about happening are in churches. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes there's whole denominations that are following after certain, you know, certain falsehoods that they're adding or um, not giving teeth to the gospel, right? Um, not They're denying its power. Uh, one of those two extremes, how are we being led astray and why? Why does God allow this, right? So God allows us to be tested um, because it strengthens our resolve and our ability to work through um, hard times, okay? And so that that is part of what's going on there is just God allowing us to be tested, um, you know, and, and a test doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily set up for us to fail, but, you know, sometimes we do and we have to learn from that. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 and see what that says. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Right. Read. The Bible. <laughs> if we could title this episode anything, it's called Read Your Bible. All caps. Yes, read your Bible. Right, like I can be wrong. I try to be really careful with the gospel. I try to go through and show you where I'm getting these doctrines because I you know, I mean like look, let's just call a spade a spade. I'm a female Bible teacher. Don't you know that I get told all the time that just me being here is part of a false doctrine, right? Okay. Um, and, and by the way, if, if you ever are interested, I can show you in the Bible where that's not true. All right. But, um, you know, if you ever are in too close of agreement with something that you read in the Bible, you probably better look up some verses and figure out if that's true or not. Um, because I'm a sinful person, do you know what I'm saying? And so if I'm ever just in too close of agreement with something that's in the Bible, I probably need to look up and figure out whether or not that's actually biblical probably. or whether or not that's my own presupposition and I'm just going, oh, yeah, um, I believe this already. And, oh, look, there it is in God's word. Oh, um, there's Mariah. Right. And there's Mariah. Hi, Mariah. Welcome. Hello. We're so glad that you uh, joined cat? us. Mm-hmm. Good. Hey, she got the cat. Are you okay? It popped at me once, but it's okay. Okay. 
<laughs> my 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 poor husband um, lost a hand. He didn't lose the whole hand, but he, he lost. He lost uh, his nerve. Wow, he, he got he got cut up by this cat pretty badly the other day. So. But she was a gourmet chef. Right, right, right. So, um, number two, why does this happen in God's church? Um, these false doctrines. Um, well, Satan really wishes to derail the work of God and what he's doing through you. Now, at church um, last weekend, and I know you weren't in big service, right? Um, past, right? Yeah, you weren't in big service. You were in youth group, right? Yeah, so um, Pastor Sean actually uh, mentioned something that I thought was so good, and we've had Pastor Sean on the on the show before, so you guys Ooh, might remember him. Awesome. He is pretty cool. So um, he said, uh, Satan wants to destroy everything that is important to God, and you are the most important thing to God. And that's, like, a really super valid point. Like, we're like, why is this happening to me? Well, yeah, because, you know, Satan's whole goal is to get between the things that God loves and God. And you're the thing that God loves. So you, you're going to know you're going to come under attack. And three, false teachers really want to gain financially and personally. They want to gain status. They want to gain money. Uh, a lot of people make a living um, teaching false doctrine and having people believe it. So, um, so again, the point of this particular lesson was what? Get in your word. Get in God's word. Dig into God's word and learn what the authentic gospel is. And read your stupid Bible. And read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible, folks. It's important to read your Bible. You should be reading your Bible on your own. You should be reading your Bible in Bible study. You should question everything. Uh, find it in the scripture. If it's not in the scripture, it don't count. Um, you know, make sure you're reading your Bible. Um, and if you do, here is the promise that God has for us. We're going to find it located in Romans chapter 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Pretty awesome, right? Kind of, okay. Kind of sounds like the promise he gave in the beginning of the Bible. Wow! Isn't that crazy? It's a whole thing! Full circle. And that ends our Bible study for today. We're actually going to take a little commercial break. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, I wrote a Bible study that was long enough to fill the entire hour. Goodness, I talked too much. But um, we're going to take our commercial break here. And uh, we will come back with some Bible study questions. I'm looking forward to it, guys. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light 
and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Have you looked at the price of Bitcoin lately? Cryptocurrencies are the hottest financial investment right now. Well, what if you can get free Bitcoin fractions by having an app on your phone or PC? Introducing Lolly, a website that rewards you with free Bitcoin pieces with your online purchases. You purchase from one of thousands of companies like Chewy, Old Navy, Groupon, and others. You get a percent of your purchase back in Bitcoin. Use my link on freedomizerradio.live or find me on Facebook for your special link to get started. Lolly, earn free Bitcoin while you shop. Hello, everyone. I want to introduce you to our friends at Marty.com. At Marty, you can stock up on all your pantry items and other household items for way, way cheaper than traditional grocery stores. I like that most of the items are organic. Also, I really dig their one-cent deal of the day. It changes every single day. I recently snagged a 10-ounce bag of dog treats for Chewbacca for a penny. Normally, they sell on their site for $7.99. With the upcoming food shortages, this is my favorite place to stock up on canned goods. If you live in the mountain or Pacific time zones, you need to get with Marty.com. M-A-R-T-I-E.com. Look for our link on our FreedomizerRadio.com website and get a $10 free just because I told you to go there. Marty.com. Great deals, good feels. All right. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Study. Welcome back. Welcome back. Only old people get that joke. You guys just look at me like I'm crazy. Mariah's here, but she's had a rough morning, so we're going to teach it easy on her, and she wasn't there for the whole Bible study. Sorry. She was being a good neighbor and a good friend, and God bless you. That's awesome, but we missed you. We miss you. So let's talk a little bit about this Bible study we just did about false doctrine. Um, what false doctrines do you see present in the churches broadly in our area? Okay, because this is going to vary a lot, I'm, I'm realizing, from place to place. If we lived, um, you know, maybe if, if, if we lived um, in uh, Sri Lanka, they, they deal a lot with, like uh, paganism blended um, with church and um, animism, right? Okay, so what kinds of things do we see here? We live in the western United States. We live in Las Vegas in particular, right? Um, What do you guys kind of see? Probably, like, a lot of debate between, like, what, between, like, what's real scripture, what's not, what Jesus said, what he didn't say, and, like, how much the scriptures have been changed through time for translations. Sure. sure. I, yeah, I just got into yes, I just got into a discussion about that where, where someone said I was using the wrong translation. Um and I was a, a little bit I, I was I was a little bit um confused because um I think that most people know that there seem to be like two basic camps within uh Christian denominations. There's the King James Version only camp. When we're talking English, okay? I wonder if they do this in other languages. You know, I wonder if there's, like, a preferred Spanish translation. 
You know what I'm saying? Because, translation. Right, right, because because the word is, is still anointed in Spanish and French, right? So so it, it always seemed odd to me that the King James Version of, of English was the only anointed version um, by some people. And so then there's this other camp where they use all sorts of versions, including the King James Version, but we're um, taught to be discerning about the differences between them. Um, and, of course, for me, I always go, well, when in doubt, and you're not really sure, and you're a little confused, and, and the translations seem really different, go back to the original Greek and Hebrew. Go back to the original transcripts. Um, and there are a few um, there, there are a few verses, some select verses, that are in the King James Version of the Bible that are not in more modern translations like NIV or whatever like that. Um, find out why. You know, figure out why, and then, you know, pray about that. Form your own opinion on it. You know what I mean? Um, and that's not to say that you can't study those those verses, you know. Um, if you want a clear and good understanding of, about uh, what's said in the Bible, you have to read a lot of things. Um, I don't know. Has anybody ever read any of the Apocrypha books? No. No, you guys have not? Okay, so I have. Um, because Jesus talks about Enoch, and Enoch is mentioned in two sentences of the Bible, and so it doesn't really make sense. If Jesus referred to it and knew about it, I'm going to assume this was something that was broadly culturally understood. So I've, I've read the books of Enoch, for example. I've read Maccabees. Um, so those are all um, books that are included in other Bible canons, um, but not in ours. Uh, so, you know, you, you want a broad understanding of things, right? A lot of times people read history books so that they can get an understanding of the history that they're that that Bible books are are set in, right? Um, so that's that's one that I think is, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, so that the the new premise is that in addition to salvation, you must be reading the King James version of the Bible in order to be saved, right? Um, right, right, right. And 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 that might be extreme to that point of view. It's it's not actually that you must in order to be saved, but in order to be well-versed in the Bible, okay? Um, I, I, I've met somebody who did tell me that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, so you had to read it to be saved? Yeah. Wow. That's different. Um, yeah, it, it was a whole thing, and I think we discussed it, too, um, eventually, where it was like, so this this doesn't work. I'm not hating on King James, but what about everyone else in the world that doesn't have King James translation, like or don't Afri- speak English, or don't speak English. Yeah, that's not the avoid. That's in not Africa, the avo- anointed version for you if you don't understand it. In Africa, they don't say thee, thou, though, and thouest. That's just not part of their language. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, Christianity came from the general region of Africa, not England. So, if anything, we should be reading their Bible if we're going to be technical. Sure. But sure. it's still, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. So so there there are some of these weird things out there where, where people are, it, it, it's a little legalistic. So so the problem is that there, there are some things out there that people are like, this is the, this is, this is the hill I'm going to die on. And you're like, yeah, but that's not gospel. Like, <laughs> that's not gospel. Let's, let's die on a different hill. Let's die on what's gospel. Um, can we think of anything else, false doctrine, that, that we see is, is present and that seeps into churches around us? Can you repeat that? Uh, can we think of any other false doctrines that we see present in churches near us? False teaching. So so here's what I'm going to say is that, okay, 
Okay, here's here's one that is really prevalent. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Uh, cancel culture. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready to cancel me? Okay. So if the gospel changes us more and more into the image of Christ, we are supposed to uh, die to our own desires, right? Mm-hmm. And so I um, will say that um, people are are when you're in church, you're in the process of sanctification. But if you're in leadership in church, you should probably be mostly through a lot of that. Not to say that pastors don't sin, but if they're um, pursuing a lifestyle that is antithetical to what the gospel says, mm, that's problematic to me. That's that's denying the power of the gospel to change them. So I I do have a problem with people who are um, like New Age lifestyles or uh, or you know, for example, somebody who is who's who's gay, who's a preacher or pastor. That's that's concerning. Um, in the same way that I would be concerned if my own personal pastor was in the middle of an affair. You know, um it's it's a uh deviation from from where God wants us to be. Um and so you wouldn't follow an alcoholic pastor who was Steeped in alcoholism and at the bar on the weekends, and and so in the same way, um, we're supposed to, if we're disciples of Christ, we're supposed to give up the desires um, of, of our flesh in pursuit of the desires of the spirit. And so, if somebody is still living a, a fleshly focused lifestyle, I'm not. I, I would not say that they should be in leadership. And so, I, I have some issues with with those churches out there that would um, put somebody in a pulpit who is engaged in a homosexual lifestyle um, in the same way that I would have a problem with them if they promoted a pastor who was um, in the throes of of an affair. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't redeem that. Do you know what I'm saying? So once somebody has relinquished that lifestyle, I have no problem with them being in leadership. Um, Until they do that. Because the difference is that while while I am either, while I'm an alcoholic, while I am pursuing a homosexual lifestyle, while I'm pursuing an affair outside of my marriage, while I'm pursuing um, a gambling lifestyle, I mean, we live in Las Vegas, right? Um, You know. That's what I went in there. (laughs) Right. Like, if I'm visiting, if I'm visiting the strip clubs and the whorehouses, okay, like, if we're having... If we're having those kinds of issues in our lives, um, then we're not in a position to lead other people to walk in the spirit of the Lord. Um, and that's not to say, hey, they need to be in church. Okay, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be in church. Um, wherever you're at, go to church. Stop. Just go to church, okay? But um, you can't teach other people uh, the the power of the gospel to change you if you are not allowing power of the gospel to change you. Does that track with everybody? We have all we have all sorts of churches around here, you know, being in Vegas and, and all sorts of people with all sorts of very unique lifestyles and you go, Wow, they let you pastor like that? And yeah, they do. 
they do, and they'll they they ordain people who are in all different um, phases of their walk. Um, anything else? Works. We have a lot of heavy works people around here. Um, you know, uh, you get higher up in heaven if you you know save a certain amount of people. You've presented the gospel to a certain amount of people, right? They're keeping count, got notches on their belt. Um, and one thing Muslims believe is that um, while you're on earth, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you go to heaven. Right, that's definitely workspace. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. Although they would not deny that it's anti-gospel because they don't believe in the Bible, they believe in the Quran. So, um, but yeah, it would definitely be a false gospel. It's very easy to find that one, right? Okay, so is it hard to spot the errors in the presentation of the gospel when they come up? What? Is it hard to spot the errors in the presentation of the gospel when they come up? Yep. No. I'm going to say a ton. Oh, sorry. I I thought you were saying, yeah, it's not hard. My bad. I meant, yes, it's hard. It can be, especially, like, so one of the things that we mentioned was um, the Bill Gothard, I don't know, Institute for Biblical Living, whatever it is, IBLP. Um, we kind of mentioned them. And, and that one was particularly hard, I think, to spot because good church-going people, um, and they just, they look the part. They seem to be doing all the right things. Um, but when they're doing all the right things in lieu of, pursuing relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and submission to the Holy Spirit, um, that's just being very self-disciplined, not to change the power of the gospel at all, right? Um, so I think it can be particularly hard when we're talking about things that happen within the church that look godly. Um, you're adding a bunch of regulation and a bunch of legalism that's, that, you know, probably someone added this um, as a measure to help people, um, not not understanding that that they were introducing falsehood and taking them away from the spirit of God that really has the changing power. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have anything else to say on that? Um, do you ever hear people say half truths about God or the gospel that don't seem quite right? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I wasn't, like, in the conversation, but, like, someone was having a conversation next to me, and I was just thinking, huh, they're just nitpicking what they like in the Bible, mm-hmm. and then ignoring what they don't like, and then adding, and then lining up the facts with the parts that they do like without, uh, like, knowing the other parts. Okay. Yes. I feel that. I feel that for sure. Um, the other one that I hear a lot, and it's really interesting because I have predominantly like two different people in my life, and they have two very different perspectives about God, but they will both say the, the same thing about God, and you're like, yes, but that's not a complete picture. And they will always say, well, God is love. Mm-hmm. God is love. So if God is love, then something else in the Bible doesn't add up or something else in, in history or theology doesn't line up. 
And and you want to go, well, yes, God is love, and he's the completeness and fullness of love. But first of all, my perspective of love is tainted by my human flesh, number one. His perspective of love is perfect. So if he is the definition of love, his definition is correct, not mine, right? But um, But number two is that God is love, but he is also just. He is also righteous. Um, yes, he's fully love, but just like Jesus was fully man and fully God, you can't have a true understanding of who Jesus was if you only um, grab onto one concept of who he is. You know, um, I can say cross is cool, right? What? Because you are. You're pretty awesome. You know, and, and maybe I would say cross is cool, but if I do say cross is cool, I would not be getting a fullness of who cross was. And if I was describing cross as being cool to someone who didn't know cross, they would have a very limited picture on who you are. And if they were trying to understand or anticipate what you were going to do based on your coolness, they might be wrong a good portion of the time, right? Because cross is cool, but he's also godly. Um, Cross is cool, but he's also a good friend. Cross is cool, but he also has this great sense of humor. So if you don't know Cross personally um, and you're trying to anticipate anything that he might do in a situation based on the knowledge that Cross is cool, even if he was the utter definition of perfection of cool, you might be wrong because he's also the utter definition of perfection of a godly young man. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so we don't anticipate properly what God is going to do in a situation, first of all, because we're mortal, but secondly, if we're tying in to God's character only in one aspect and not in the fullness of who he is, we're going to come across some problems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know you've run into that, too, as a, as, as a uh, half-truth about God, right? Mm-hmm. And it can be difficult in those situations to be able to discern what's wrong, right? So, well, yeah, you're like, yeah, God is love. But wait, no, what you're saying is not okay. <laughs> is that is that true, too, in those situations? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, is there a particular memory that you have? No, Cause no, I'm like, no. I'm, I'm reaching. I don't remember this conversation. I agree with you. No, I'm just feeling like I'm all out here. You guys agree, right? Like yes. that, that can be really, really tough. You're like, yes, God is. And it's usually, you know, that whole God is love. And so a loving God doesn't blah, you know. And, and you go, okay, okay. But, you know, um, let's explore that a little bit. No, 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 no. God is love. Therefore, mm-hmm. right? Um, Therefore, and such as. Right, and, and and there's no discussion there because they've made up their mind and they've, they've come up with their reason. And it's like, yeah, but that's not a full picture of, of, of God and who he is. He is love. He's not going to be deniably unloving. So how is it that this reconciles with his character of being loving and, and truthful and just and, you know, all, all the things that God is? Um, because sometimes without those other aspects, something could look very unloving. Uh, and then when you start to look into it further, you, you understand the love of God. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, I get it, get it. 
Um, so uh, the last question I have, we've got a couple minutes, is what can you do to be able to spot falsehoods when you see them? Cross, I know you have the answer to this question. You said it needs to be in all caps, so I want to hear you say it. What should we be able to do to to spot the falsehoods when presented with falsehoods from the gospel? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Figure out what the Word of God says for yourself. Open up the book. Read the Bible. I could even be wrong about such things. I could. I could. You can tell me I'm wrong. I'll I'll listen if you're right. Uh, we'll have a discussion though, because I'll be like, this is why I think I'm right. And then you can tell me I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? But but read your Bible and figure it out for yourself. Um, don't be a lazy Christian. Don't just warm up you. Come in with knowledge and understanding because false doctrine isn't just presented outside the church. False doctrine is alive and well and present in our churches today because Satan would like nothing more to, than to throw off God's church in the final days. Woo! Mic drop. Perfect way to end our show. All right. Well, then we're all done. Anybody else have anything else to say? Nope. You pretty much covered it. Nope. nope. One long about the devil. <laughs> Raya, we were super sad that you had to help with a cat, but very thankful that you were a good godly friend. Woo! Uh, go, right, go! All right, so um, we're all done here, okay? And uh, we will see you guys next week for what might actually be our very last show in the book. Of um, and then we're going to come back a little bit with our greatest hits. Greatest hits. Um, whatever um, have been the most viewed, most popular shows. And we'll probably all pick our favorites um, to re-air before the new year. Um, so you'll get to, um, if you've missed any of our, our better shows, you'll get to catch them here. And then starting in January, we'll be going right into the Gospel of John. I'm so excited about it. I am really excited about doing the Gospel. Hearing from Jesus. So you guys have a wonderful, blessed week, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.